They really got to start thinking about moving this thing to Saturday. The game was really good all the way around. It was very fun, but man, the the the, the Sunday scaries that you get post Super Bowl thinking about thinking about the Monday morning, especially if you've had drinks or you're hungover. Not me, but you know, for all the people that are that go to work the next day that are hungover, I feel for you, and uh, I am all for moving it to Saturday because man, that's uh, just the Sunday scaries alone aren't very fun and then throw that on there with the with the side of being hung over i would uh i would not want to go into work the day after uh after the big game um especially after a game like that which was nothing but a party um we're gonna get into that we're gonna get into the big game that happened on sunday uh between the Bengals and the rams we're gonna get into some cowgirl cowboy basketball and then uh, we're gonna kind of break down the nba as we move along from the nfl season and move towards um, basketball season, professional basketball, and uh, baseball season, if that happens, knock on wood. Uh, but first, we're going to get into the uh, Cowgirls and Cowboys basketball teams. The Wyoming Cowgirls went 3-0 and this past week, first beating San Jose State at home on Wednesday, 75-54. Quinn Weideman led all scorers with 18 points, despite playing just seven minutes in the first half due to foul trouble. She shot 6-9 of nine overall from the field and made 5-7 of seven three-pointers in the contest. In the contest. Uh, McKinley Bradshaw and Alba Sanchez-Ramos both finished the game in double figures with 13 and 10 points, respectively. The Cowgirls were all, were able to hold uh, San Jose State to just 29 points in the final three quarters, while the Cowgirls made a season-high 12 three-pointers on the night and went 13 of 15 from the free-throw line in the victory. The Cowgirls then hit the road to take on Fresno State on Saturday. It came away with a hard-fought 61-58 victory over the Bulldogs. It was a tale of two halves for the Cowgirls on that one, with UW leading by 13 at half. After shooting 52% from the floor and 4 of 11 from three-point range in the first half, uh, the Cowgirls shot just 8 of 24 overall from the field and 3 of 8 from the three-point range after halftime with the, Bull- with the Bulldogs outscoring the uh, Cowgirls by 10 in the second half. Didn't matter, though. Three Cowgirls finished the game in double figures, and Weinemann led the way with 12 points and hit a trio of three-pointers, while McKinley Bradshaw and Alba Sanchez-Ramos both added 11 points each. Bradshaw ended just a rebound shy of a double-double as well with a team-high 9 rebounds in the victory the cowgirls then took on san jose state again this time on monday on the road in san jose and the girls and the cowgirls uh, dominated in that one beating the spartans 84 to 64 uw set numerous season bests in the win in uh in points field goals made shooting percentage and three-point percentage in that one in the first half alone the cowgirls led 56 to 32 after shooting 72 percent from the floor and hitting 82 percent of their three-pointers McKinley Bradshaw had an outstanding game for the bur- for, for the girls, dropping a career high in points with 33 points on 13 of 21 shooting, which is tied uh, for the seventh most points in a single game in program history. Congrats to her. Allison Fertig was the only other cowgirl in double fi- in double digits, scoring 13 points on six of eight shooting and grabbed seven rebounds in 18 minutes of play. The cowgirls have reached a bit of a hot streak, winning four in a row and have won six of their last seven games. They have four games left over the next few weeks. To close out the regular season, including one game this upcoming week, they will travel to Fort Collins to take on rival Colorado State in the match in their first matchup of the season with the Colorado State Rams. Uh, you'll be able to hear that matchup and uh, the rest of the Cowgirl games on Smart Talk 106.3 FM. The Wyoming Cowboys had another great week going 2-0, first beating Utah State last Tuesday thanks to an offensive rebound put back from Graham E.K. with six seconds left in the game to give the Pokes a 78-76 victory over the Aggies in overtime. Those two points gave the, that gave the Cowboys the eventual victory were just two of Graham E.K.'s 28-point performance. He added 12 rebounds as well for his ninth double-double of the season. 
Martin Maldonado at Maldonado added uh, another 23 points and five assists as well. While Drake Jeffries added 12 points and grabbed a game high 13 rebounds for his first career double double in the victory. Wyoming shot an even 50% from the field while the Aggies shot 48%. The Pokes lost the rebound battle for, rebound battle for the first time in seven games, 36 to 31, and uh, went 22 of 32 from the free throw line in the win. The Pokes, uh, the Pokes then hit the road on Saturday to take on San Jose State, and the Cowboys rolled in that one as well, beating the Spartans 74 to 52. The, the win for the Cowboys in this one uh, made it their sixth straight win in the row. They did it by holding San Jose State to shooting 30% from the field and out-rebounding the Spartans 45-25. to That's the Pokes' largest rebounding margin of the season and their first plus-20 rebound margin since they did it against Utah Valley way back on November 30th, 2011, 10-plus year, uh, years ago now. Uh, the Pokes were ahead by four at halftime, but they dominated the second half, outscoring the Spartans 41-23 to while shooting 60% from the field, which allowed them to pull away in the win. It was a two-man show for the Cowboys in that one, with Graham Ike having dominant, having, having another dominant game, dropping 25 points and grabbing 18 rebounds. It was his 10th 20-plus scoring game and 10th double-double of the season, and it was the most rebounds by a player for the Cowboys since Justin James had 20 back on November 28, 2018. Hunter Maldonado added uh, 23 points and 5 assists as the second punch of the 1-2 punch combo between him and Ike. And the two combined for 58 of the Pokes' 74 points in the victory over the Spartans. That win for the Cowboy makes them 21-3 and on the season, having won 12 of the past 13 games dating back to December. They're now 10-1 and in conference play, first place in the Mountain West. They are 6-0 and in games decided by two points and have gone 11-0 in this, 11-0 this season at home at the, uh, at the Dome of Doom. That recipe all put together and cooked up has landed the Cowboys in the AP Top 25 poll as the 22nd ranked team in the country, one of the best mid-majors in the country behind Providence and Murray State and I think a few others. Um, it's the Pokes' first time being ranked in the AP poll since two, since 2015 and uh, only their second appearance since the 1987-88 season. 22nd is also their highest ranking since that 1987-88 season. The now 22nd ranked Cowboys have seven games left in the regular season over the next few weeks, including two this week. First, they travel to the pit on Tuesday to take on New Mexico with first tip scheduled for 7 p.m. And then the Pokes come back home to take on Air Force Academy on Saturday with first tip scheduled for 2 p.m. And that one, you can listen to all the action of the Tuesday game on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO. And then on Saturday, we'll be broadcasting that matchup on Smart Talk 106.3 FM because of the um, the boys and girls Bronx and basketball teams playing on Saturday as well. So we will have the Cowboy game over on Smart Talk 106.3 FM. The NFL, the 2021-2022 NFL season has now officially come to an end. In case you were living under a rock, the big game was this past Sunday between the, the 56th big, big game, I guess I should say we should quantify the number, was this past Sunday between the Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals. The Rams leaned on the plethora of weapons on both sides of the ball that had gotten to them to this point to squeeze out a victory over the Bengals 23-20. The best weapon of them all being Cooper Cup, who earlier in the week had been awarded 2021 Offensive Player of the Year, winning the Triple Crown with 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns during the regular season. Cup unsurprisingly showed out in this game, too, catching eight of his 10 targets for 92 yards and two touchdowns. He was held relatively quiet for most of the game, starting the eventual uh, before starting the eventual game-winning drive with just uh, starting the eventual game-winning drive with just three catches on the day. Excuse me. Uh, but him and quarterback Matthew Stafford put together a masterful drive that would give the Rams the lead and eventually the victory. The Rams started with the ball on their 30-yard line, 
trailing 20 to 17 with 613 left to play in the fourth corner. Stafford and the Rams drove down the field in 15 plays, running the clock down to one minute and 25 seconds with the final play of the drive being a touchdown to Cooper Cup for Matthew Stafford. Cup on that final drive alone had five receptions for 39 yards, including that one touchdown, as well as one rush for seven yards in what was undoubtedly the drive of the game and one of the best drives in a Super Bowl uh, that I can remember recently. Anyways, uh, Coop ended up winning the game MVP as well, thanks to his performance and became the first player in NFL history to win the Triple Crown, win the NFL Offensive Player of the Year and the big game MVP in the same season. Jerry Rice is the only other player to accomplish all those feats in his career. And Cup did it all in one season. Despite Cup unbelie- Cup's bl- unbelievable game on Sunday, there were other prime candidates for MVP as well. Previously mentioned Matthew Stafford completed 26 of 40 passes for 283 yards and three touchdowns, but did throw two interceptions. Former Bronco Von Miller registered six total pressures with two sacks, one hit, and three hurries. But probably the best candidate outside of Cup was defensive tackle Aaron Donald, who else who finished the game with eight total pressures, two sacks, one hit, and five hurries. There was a report before the game that came out um, that Aaron Donald would consider retirement if the Rams won the championship. And uh, if it is Aaron Donald's final game, there is not a better representation of how dominant he truly was uh, than this game. If he calls it quits, he'll have ended his career as an eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro selection, 2014 Rookie of the Year, and three-time Defensive Player of the Year, playing just eight seasons in the league. He He will go down as arguably... Uh, not just the greatest defensive player of all time, but he more than likely is the best defensive tackle to ever play the game. The mismatch that everyone was talking about leading up to the game ended up being the key to the game. Uh, The Rams defensive line dominated the Bengals offensive line handily as a whole. The Rams forced 26 pressures, got seven sacks, four QB hits and 15 hurries. Uh, The Bengals offensive line ended with a pass block win rate of just 14%, uh, which was the worst rate of any team of any team all season long, and that's a, a pretty bad time to get that that win rate, 14%. That means 86% of the time, the uh, one of the Rams defenders were winning their pass rush attempts. Truly a terrible stat for the, for the Bengals' offensive line. Uh, the Bengals were able to hang into this game thanks to the disappointing coverage from the Rams' secondary, I'd say. LA's best player in coverage was Darius Williams, who gave up three receptions on four targets for just 23 yards while forcing one incompletion and forcing two stops in the pass game. Jalen Ramsey, of all people, had a pretty disappointing game all the way around, having the worst graded game of any of the Rams quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. He finished the day giving up five receptions on nine targets for 160 yards and one touchdown while forcing one incompletion on the night. He did have one pretty egregious missed pass interference call that uh, would have nullified that touchdown and his biggest reception allowed on the day, but sometimes that's just how the game goes. I am I guarantee money he would take... Uh, the ring at the end if that meant them missing a pass interference call so i'm sure he's not that upset about it uh switching sides over to the Bengals, it was that receiving core that had the most impressive day jamar chase was shadowed by jalen ramsey most of the day but still managed five receptions on eight targets for 89 yards uh their slot receiver tyler boyd had uh five catches on six targets for 48 yards with one drop his only drop of the season came on this game a bad time to drop a ball and uh, T. Higgins had the best day catching four balls on six targets for 100 yards for and uh, two touchdowns as well. Joe Burrow had a pretty average game. He didn't have a lot to work with because his offensive line had a horrendous game. Uh, he got sacked seven times. He still completed 22 of 33 passes for a touchdown. Didn't have any turnover-worthy plays and had one big-time throw. I don't want to dog on the offensive line too much, even though I kind of already have. Um, 
Just to kind of put it into perspective, though, how bad of a game it was for the five Bengals, the highest graded pass blocker on that line for them in this game was uh, their center, and he had a 50.9 pass blocking grade from Pro Football Focus. The lowest was right tackle Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Prince, who graded at a 2.4 from PFF. Not a good day. The, def- the defense for the Bengals had a pretty solid game, uh, though, all things considered. They absolutely stuffed the Rams' run game, giving up just 43 yards with 23 attempts. The Bengal defense combined for 16 stops in the run game with Will Linebacker, Jermaine Pratt getting five tackles and four stops in the, game, in the run game, and left end uh, Sam Hubbard also grabbed four tackles, two assisted tackles, and four defensive stops of his own as well. The, uh, the Bengal pass coverage faulted a little bit compared to the run defense. Uh, the, lingers, the, the linebackers had a very good day in pass coverage, though, including Wyoming's own Logan Wilson. Jermaine Pratt had the best day of the linebackers in coverage, allowing one reception on two targets for just eight yards and 36 coverage snaps. Wilson did, did have a, uh, Logan Wilson did have a bad pass interference call against him. Actually, I think it was a holding call, if I remember right. It may have been a holding call. Uh, and that was against him on a third and goal on the Rams' final drive of the game that gave the uh, gave L.A. a fresh set of downs. But other than that, he had a pretty solid day, giving up five receptions on seven targets for just 33 yards and got two defensive stops in coverage on 43 pass coverage opportunities. Wilson uh, Logan Wilson would finish the day as the Bengals' leading tackler with eight tackles and pitched in a total of four defensive stops on the night as well. Uh, the Bengals' secondary struggled, though. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie excuse me, probably had the best game. He gave up uh, five receptions on nine targets for 67 yards, grabbing an interception, and had two defensive stops in coverage. Mike Hilton at the, uh, slot, re- the slot corner struggled mightily, giving up uh, five receptions on five targets for 78 yards and a touchdown. Lining up in the slot, though, he was mainly against Cooper Cup, and that is not, not an easy matchup for any slot corner in the league. So hard not to blame him. It, it, I mean, you can blame him if you want to, Mike Hilton, but, you know, it's Cooper Cup. I mean, the guy just won the Triple Crown. You can put anybody up there against him, and it's the precision that these guys are working at. It's You really can't guard it at this point. Um, so, all in all, it was a great game. Maybe a little bit of a lull of action in the third quarter. They were kind of punting back and forth. Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow both got hurt. Um, and you could tell they were kind of both uh, working through pain. But uh, other than that, it was a solid game. Fun storylines to kind of keep track of. Odell went down early. Early in the, I think it was in the second quarter, if I remember correctly, or towards the end of the first quarter, and he uh, he looked like a game changer in that game before he went down. Um, he was basically, I mean, he was their second best option for sure, especially since Tyler Higby was gone for the Rams as well at tight end. Um, and it looks like they were probably going to roll the Bengals in this game had Odell not gone down, but um, he did go down, and this game was a lot closer, and it seemed like the Rams had hit kind of a, a slow spot once they couldn't find that second option. And... Um, you know, it made for a better game. I hope Odell's doing better, though, obviously. Um, but, yeah, after Odell went down, that was a, that was a difficult time for the Rams. They kind of had to figure it out. They couldn't get anything going in the run game. Like I said, Cam Akers was basically useless that entire game um, in terms of running the football. Sony Michelle had a couple, a little bit of action here and there. Samaje Pirine for the Bengals had a little bit of action here and there. Joe Mixon, another running back for the Bengals. He was basically a dump-off target all night. He had a couple of big runs here and there. Um but again, it was another, it was a pass dominant game for sure. It felt like the only, the first team to 10 designed runs was going to be the loser in this game. And um, here we are, you know, Rams 23, Bengals 20. Fun game, you know. Um, I would say it was definitely an upgrade from last year in terms of enjoyability, obviously. And that's all you can really ask for. Um, I think the halftime show, moving on to the other, the other stuff on the side, 
The halftime show was pretty solid. Uh, I don't think it was better than last year's. The weekend's performance at last year's game, it still sticks with me, and I go back and watch it all the time. It is truly perfect. Um, and this year's show, I could have used a little bit more Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Blige. Mary J., by the way, Mary J. Blige. Shout out to her. She's the best performer on that stage. I was not expecting to get that good of a performance. I mean, honestly, from the whole group, I didn't know if it was going to work any well that well in tandem with those with that group that they had. But they did pretty good, and Mary J. Blige killed it. I wish we got more of her. Um, I could have used less to, less of Fifty Cent. I didn't really get why he was in that group. It was I I felt it was more of a celebration of Los Angeles um, and California, if you will. Same with Eminem. Um, and you know, fifty cents from New York. So I didn't really understand his, you know, why he was there, unless it was kind of a, a celebration of that era in music. But even then, Dre's Dre's music is older than fifty cents. Uh by I I want to say a decade. Like his hits that they were playing is probably about a decade older than fifty cents. So, you know, I I could have done less with, with fifty cent. I probably would have been okay with fifty cent not being there. Um, even though him hanging from the ceiling at the start was comedy. It was comedy at its finest. Produced the best memes of the night. Um, so I appreciate that. I cannot believe they didn't bring out Ice Cube as the special guest performance that they usually have every year. I thought for sure. I thought for sure they were we were going to see Cube get out of one of the lowriders and start performing It Was a Good Day. If there was a prop bet for that, I, uh, I definitely would have put money on that. But we didn't see it. But overall, pretty good show. I don't think it's as good as you know people are propping up as. It's not one of the greatest of all time, I don't think. It's still very solid, though. You know... It's better than I expected. I was kind of, I kind of had low hopes for it, to be honest with you. Um, but it was better than I expected. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for. My top five big game ads from the big game. On the outside, looking in, the old OLI, the Irish Springs Colt ad. Excuse me, hold on, I got my fanfare. I got to get my fanfare ready to go here. The Irish Springs Colt ad. This is OLI. This is on the outside, looking in. Uh, best Foods ad with Gerard Mayo and Pete Davidson. The Nope trailer uh, the uh, for the movie with the, directed by Jordan Peele. I would put this one higher if they had used the actual official trailer that they used. Um, you know, that they posted on Twitter and everything and YouTube and stuff like that. But they used, obviously, a Super Bowl spot. And I didn't I don't think um, the Super Bowl spot was as strong as the actual official trailer. If you haven't watched the official trailer for Nope, please go do it. It looks freaking incredible. Um, I've watched every Jordan Peele movie. He's only come out with two, I think. Um, but I've watched every Jordan Peele movie so far. Us and Get Out. I think he may have had um, something to do with the uh, the Candyman movie. I think he had something to do with that. But I don't think he he didn't direct it, but I think he had something to do with it. Um, I have not seen that, but uh, I have seen all the other two movies that he's directed, and this one looks. It's got a mix of, uh, feels like a mix of uh, 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 Encounters of the Third Kind, um, a mix of that in there with maybe a little bit of signs, and it was just a really cool vibe, and man, God, Jordan Peele knows how to make a trailer, he really does. Anyways, sorry, I'm ranting. Uh, also on the outside looking in, the E-Trade, Baby Off the Grid trailer. It's good to see that baby back, that kid, uh, that the little baby with the talking adult voice. That's got a straight line directly to my funny bill, and that'll make me laugh. That'll make me giggle every time. Um, and then also, maybe an upset for some people on the outside looking in, the General Motors Dr. Evil ad. I would have put it in my top five, but the other, the actual top five, I couldn't sneak it in there because I was like, I like these. 
just a little bit more, you know, just a little bit more than the rest of them. Okay, so now tied for fifth because I couldn't decide between the two, and I think they're better than the OLIs, the outside looking ins. Chevy Sopranos, new generation added, Bud Light Seltzer, Guy Fieri ad. Congrats to them, the Sopranos ad. That was weird to watch that um, with um, the daughter of the show. I can't remember her name. I didn't look it up. And then the son of the show at the end of uh, at the end of the ad with the music playing in the background. You're so used to hearing that music start, the like that, and then seeing you know uh, um, James Gandolfini with his uh, with his cigar. The Twin Towers in the background, man, that was weird to see without all that going on. And then to see the, the truck and everything, it was actually pretty well done. I usually don't like it when um, advertisers try to uh, let me uh, try to kind of like skew towards our nostalgia to make an ad for it. But this one, I think, was actually pretty well done and uh, respectfully done in terms of James Gandolfini. They didn't torture it or anything like that. Uh, Bud Light Seltzer, Guy Fieri ad. Come on. Guy Fieri, they picked Bud Light, picked the the one guy on planet Earth that everybody loves in Guy Fieri. And um, they all had the fun spiked up hair with the frosted tips. Who doesn't love that? And it was, uh, it was a funny end. It was well done. Could have used more Guy Fieri, but, you know, you're just picking it, to, picking it twigs at that point. So, number four, the Pringles stuck in ad. Funny ad. It's a good ad. Something that we've all experienced before. Um, especially people that have eaten Pringles, you get your hand in there, you get it stuck and you live the rest of your life with a Pringles can on your hand. It was funny. Ad simple to the point. Hilarious. Didn't say too much. It was great. Loved it. Number three, winning time. The Lakers show ad winning time. The Lakers show from HBO created by, I think it's created by Adam McKay. Looks fantastic. I would have had this one at number one. If same thing with the, uh, the Nope trailer. If they uh, if they used the actual trailer, you know the the full official trailer. Um, the music's super good. I love all the casting in it, um, and the actual trailer itself has really gotten me into wanting to watch it. I had no real interest in watching this because I'm kind of getting I've kind of gotten over the the ten part documentaries about even though this is more of a biopic, um, the ten parts series about something. But this has got me into it. I, I loved the the castings and. And uh, and all that stuff, and I'm I'm excited to watch this thanks to this uh, thanks to this trailer. Uh, number two, Liquid Death breaking the law. This one was hilarious. Uh, playing the song "Breaking the Law" in the background, and a bunch of kids drinking these what look like alcoholic beverages, um, just slamming them. These kids are painting uh, some kid's face and stuff like that, and then some lady comes out. She's pregnant. She's drinking this uh, this can that looks like alcohol. It's not obviously Liquid Death is water. It's just water in a super hardcore aluminum can, and uh, it's a pretty funny ad. No words are spoken, straight to the point, good visual comedy, well done to Liquid Death. Number one, I don't know if you can hear the drum roll I'm doing with my fingers, but I'm doing a drum roll. The FTX Larry David ad. Great ad. Well done. Very, uh, Larry David, I can't believe Larry David came back to do an FTX ad. Um, I don't know if Larry David knows what uh, cryptocurrency is or Bitcoin or anything like that. That'd be fun to sit down and talk to him about. But um, yeah, it was good. It was funny. Larry David, man, that guy is, he's, you know, an eternity old, but he's, he's good at just acting comedy. He's hilarious. All the, all the scenarios that they put him in were hilarious. And um, 
it got a good got a good chuckle out of me doing that. Um, one I forgot to put on here until I was just reading this that Coinbase had with the QR code. I probably would have put that in here, but I don't know if I would really count it on these others because the other ones are just like fully produced ads. This coin, the Coinbase one was just a QR code that they splashed on the screen for 30 seconds and then it was gone. You know what I mean? Very effective, I would say. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it crashed their uh, it crashed their website because so many people were logging in with the QR code. But um, I don't think I would put it in the same category as the rest of these because the rest of these are pretty much fully produced advertisements. Well, the Coinbase one, like I said, just a QR code. So don't know if I put it on here. Maybe OLI, but that's the top five. Chevy Sopranos ad, Bud Light Seltzer, Guy Fieri ad tied for fifth. Pringles stuck in ad at number four. Winning time, Lakers show from HBO trailer. And then that's number three. And then number two, Liquid Death, Breaking the Law uh, trailer. And then number, number, not a trailer ad, excuse me. Number one, the FTX, Larry David ad. That is your uh, best ads, in my opinion, from the 2021-2022 big game. Give them a good round of applause. Well done, advertisers. You've done it. You've made it into our funny bones, and you made us laugh and made us pay attention to the commercial breaks, even though we never do want to. Now, the award for the worst one this year, because I didn't want to make a top five, and I'm only doing this one ad. Um, it actually made me physically angry when I saw it, and that would be the Uber Eats ad. Worst one. Absolute worst one. I hated it. You know why? Because it wasn't anything that they were saying. I mean, it was kind of something they were saying in the ad. They just took something and they took it and they did the lowest common denominator for making somebody laugh. And that sort of stuff is just not funny. I hated that. Oh, it says eats on the bag. Let's just do it. So whatever's in the bag, you eat it. Oh, so funny. Come on, dude. What are we doing here? It's not funny. It just looks corny and it looks like you're trying way too hard. Uber Eats, I expected better from you. That's why DoorDash is better. Come at me. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap on the 2021-2022 NFL season. We are already counting down the days until September for the next NFL action. So, what does that mean for the podcast? Well, with Big Game 56 now in the in the rear view window, we can now direct undivided attention to the NBA season that is currently in progress. They're about 75% of the way through the season, and the NBA All-Star break is coming up this weekend, actually. So, I'm going to go through and kind of give a quick breakdown of what is happening to this point, what has happened to this point in the NBA season. First things first, it's the NBA's 75th anniversary this season, and they've been celebrating in a bunch of different ways from putting a diamond-shaped NBA logo on all the jerseys to counting down the 75 greatest players in uh, league's history before the season began. You probably saw that uh, where Dwight Howard was left off and everybody was upset that Dwight Howard was left off. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. That was a while ago. But, yes, 75th anniversary of the NBA this season, an NBA Finals rematch from last year is a very strong possibility. The defending champion Milwaukee Bucks are getting hot at the right time. Giannis Antetokounmpo is still as unstoppable as ever. Um, while the runner-ups, the runners-up, I guess, is that how you say that? The runners-up from last year out in the Valley, the Suns, uh, the, the Phoenix Suns have looked like the best team in the league for the majority of the season. The duo of Devin Booker and Chris Paul has this team on pace to win around 65 games this season. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are back to being the Warriors of old. As of Tuesday, they are 42-16 and 16 in second place in the Western Conference. Um, after struggling the past two years, thanks to a slew of injuries that they got on their roster, they are now fully healthy. Steph Curry became the league's all-time three-point leader earlier this year. Klay Thompson is back to being arguably the best number two in the game. And uh, both Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins were selected to the All-Star, great, All-Star game. And it's looking like a crash course 
um, to a Western Conference Finals between the Warriors and the Suns later this year. For news that's not so new, uh, LeBron James is still very, very good at basketball. Who would have thought? He's still one of the best players in the league, averaging 29 points, 7.9 rebounds, and 6.5 and assists per game, all looking a youthful 37 years old in his 19th NBA season. However, as great as LeBron is, the Lakers' big three that features him, uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, has been a complete disaster. One of the bigger stories from the NBA this year has been that trio of players and them not getting along, at least, you know, Russell Westbrook struggling as, as much as he has mightily them trying to deal him at the deal. Russell Westbrook at the trade deadline, it not working. And um, just that whole Lakers squad has been kind of a disaster other than LeBron. Um, as of Tuesday, they're 26 and 31 and are most likely going to have to participate in the NBA's playing tournament in order to qualify, even qualify for the NBA playoffs about halfway through the season uh, last year. The Brooklyn's the Brooklyn Nets made a trade for the Rocket, the then Rocket James Harden, which set up an Eastern Conference big three of Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. However, just a few days ago at the trade deadline, James Harden was traded again by his own request. This time to to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers due to injuries and Irving being unavailable for games played in New York City. Harden shared the floor with Durant and Irving a total of just 16 times over two seasons, and they went 13 and three in those games. Meanwhile, on the 76ers side of the trade, Ben Simmons didn't suit up for the Sixers after losing Game 7 of the 2021 Eastern Conference Semifinals. Simmons requested a trade ahead of the season and accrued over $20 million in fines while away from the team. The resolution? A swap of the stars that forms an all-star duo of James Harden, Joel Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, while the Nets retain a big three with Durant, Irving, and this time Ben Simmons. That helps set up a loaded Pretty loaded. I wouldn't say loaded. Maybe a little top-heavy, to be honest. Um, that set up, sets up a pretty loaded Eastern Conference with the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks the, are being the odds-on favor to win the conference, but it's not just them. With Kyle Lowry and Toe, the Heat have been uh, arguably a more complete team top to bottom than anybody else in the East. They are leading the Eastern Conference as of Tuesday with a 37-20 and 20 record. Uh, the Bulls have surprised everyone as well after adding DeMar DeRozan, who's, been, who's having a uh, season worthy of legitimate MVP consideration. They were projected to win 38 games this season by 538, um, but have uh, already won 37 games and are sitting at second in the Eastern Conference. Two other pleasant surprises from this season so far have been the Cavaliers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Behind John Morant's leap into superstardom, the Grizzlies have become legitimate, one of the legitimately one of the West's uh, top four teams, and given their youth, the best is yet to come. For the Cavaliers, they're thriving thanks to the all-star play of Darius Garland, while Jared Allen and probable Rookie of the Year Evan Mobley have created one of the best front courts in the league. Even Kevin Love, the ancient man, the the mummy, Kevin Love, has avoided being swallowed up by the Cavs' bad years and is a very solid six-man off of the bench for the Cavaliers. Uh, To tie everything up locally with the Nuggets and Jazz, we have gotten this far into the season and have yet to see Kawhi Leonard. Zion Williamson or Jamal Murray, thanks to injuries. We might see Murray soon, but don't get your hopes up, Nugget fans, uh, until we actually see him back on the court. As for the rest of the Nuggets, the team currently sits at 32-25 and 25 as of Tuesday and are sixth in the Western Conference. Nikola Jokic continues to be an NBA unicorn at the, at the five position. He leads the Nugs in basically every statistical category. Points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He leads them all and has a player efficiency rating of 32.95. Uh, it's basically a three-way race between Jokic, Joel Embiid, and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo for MVP this year, with Embiid being the odds-on favorite to win at this point in the season. Uh, 
As for the Jazz, they're probably a more well-rounded team right now than the Nuggets. Uh, they sit at thirty-six and twenty-one at, at a thirty-six and twenty-one record and are fourth in the Western Conference. Donovan Mitchell leads the team in points at twenty-five point five per game, with and uh, as well as steals with one point six per game. Rudy Gobert continues to be a brick wall down low, leading the team in rebounds, averaging almost fifteen per game, along with averaging fifteen points per game as well. And uh, he also averages the best in blocks in uh, on the on the Jazz, averaging two point two per game. He's well on his way uh, to win his second Defensive Player of the Year award in a row and fourth in the past five seasons. Uh, Mike Conley, the point guard up top, has been the savvy veteran, and uh, he's average. He's leading the team in assists with 5.3 per game. Tyler Hero has basically pretty much run away with the sixth man of the year award at this point. I think his uh, his odds, last time I checked, as of Tuesday, were minus 1,100, which don't make that bet unless you need 11 bucks. If you put a ten buck a ten dollar bet down, you win eleven bucks. That'd be great. Win that extra dollar. Um, so he's basically a runaway to to get the six man of the year award at this point. But uh, Jordan Clarkson has been huge off the bench for Utah, averaging fifteen and a half points in twenty six and a half minutes so far this season. The Jazz did trade fan favorite Joe Ingles to the Portland tra- Trailblazers for uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker and reserve forward uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez for the uh, Spurs for a couple of picks. Um, Ingles had gotten injured earlier in the season and would be out for the in is going to be out for the rest of the year. The kill Alexander Walker is a third year man from Virginia Tech and will more than likely be a rotational player for the Jazz for the remainder of the season, looking to fill some of the scoring and playmaking voided in the second unit in the second using, uh, unit lost thanks to uh, Ingles' injury. And it also clears up I think eleven million in uh, cap space for the Jazz as well. Uh, with the NBA All Star Weekend right around the corner. The lineups for the three-point contest and dunk contest have already been announced. We'll see Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Zach Levine, CJ McCollum, Patty Mills, Carl Anthony Towns, Fred Van Vliet, and Trey Young battle it out in the three-point contest. That's on Saturday. In the dunk contest, we're going to we're slated to see Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano, Anderson, Obi Toppin, and Jalen Green, and that's also on Saturday. So that's it. That's you caught up on the NBA. Make sure you start tuning into the NBA. Like I said, 75% of the season is almost done, so... Um, this all-star break, we're going to start getting into, you know, more playoff rotations and uh, some more playoff management and that sense of players and stuff like that. So we're going to see some better games, some more interesting games. And as the games come down to in the uh, in the conference rankings and stuff like that, or the conference standings and stuff like that, some uh, some more chippy games, I would say. So pay attention to basketball. The Nuggets need to make the playoffs. Obviously, we'll see if Jamal Murray can come back in the second half of the year. I say second half, but that's just what they call it, you know, um, and then. If they get Jamal Murray back, they should be in good shape. We'll see if they can make a run or not. The, the West is pretty loaded, especially towards the top, so that would be a difficult a difficult ask for the Nuggets. But the Jazz, Jazz and the Nuggets, both are sitting pretty well right in the middle of the pack. So we'll come back next week, talk a little bit more basketball. We'll get into more MLB next week. Um, even though there's a lockout, still still a lockout. Um, pitchers and catchers were supposed, on, were supposed to report on Tuesday the 15th. They didn't report on Tuesday the 15th. Um, Every day I die a little bit inside every time we see um we see the pitchers or the, the the MLB and players union haven't made a deal. So, you know. They did drop uh ESPN did drop their top one hundred prospects though. So let's go. You know what I mean? One of those. Well maybe we'll maybe go through that. We'll take a look. We'll see if if any Rockies players are on there, some players that I like to see I'd like to see play, that sort of thing. We're gonna go through that next week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um but that's gonna wrap up this uh this week's 
episode of the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for tuning in all NFL season. I appreciate it. We're going to keep this going all the way through the summer, all the way into next NFL season. So I, I would appreciate it if you'd come back and listen. Um, but thank you again for tuning in all NFL season through the big game and everything. And we're going to get into the NBA action and stuff. Um, but that's going to wrap up this week's podcast. I have been your host, James Timberlake, and you have been listening to the, to the weekend sports wrap podcast.